leadership in cybersecurity isn't just about understanding threats. It's about leading a team to navigate them with confidence. At CPF Coaching LLC, we specialize in taking your leadership skills to the next level. With over 15 years in the cybersecurity field, we empower professionals and startups to reach unprecedented heights. Imagine having a personalized coaching experience tailored to your unique career ambitions. From strategic planning to masterful pitch and interview preparations, we're here to guide you through every challenge. Join us for our unique value proposition workshops or dive into our vibrant learning community for continuous skill advancement. Don't just be a part of the industry. Redefine it. Visit cpfcoaching.com for more information. Discover the leader within. Contact CPF Coaching LLC today and schedule your strategic session. Welcome to another episode of Breaking into Cybersecurity Leadership, where we talk to individuals that are cybersecurity leaders. They have that experience from coming up in their career, and they want to give back to the future generation of leaders. Today, we have Paul that has a broad experience from many different fields, and he'll share his background on that. Paul. Give us a little bit of background about you. Chris, I appreciate the invite in the introduction. I don't know if I can say that I qualify as a senior leader yet, but I'm definitely on, on the journey. But I started life doing logistics and did domestic crisis operations, infrastructure protection, all before I got my feet wet into cyber. Um, and I guess I would say all of that today, put it out there to folks that your background doesn't necessarily have to start in the cyber arena to end up successfully there. We can definitely go more into it, but Chris really look forward to the conversation. Since you mentioned the transition from another field, oh, why don't you give us a little bit of background as to how you accomplished that transition? So I actually started as doing regular incident management, like IT, your server's broken, and it was leading crisis calls or incident management calls on that side that ended up network of friends, if you will, somebody that I worked with ended up going into another role at another employer. And they were specifically on the cyber side, as opposed to the IT side. And he reached out and basically said, it really isn't that much different. What you don't know, if you ask the right questions to the technical folks, they can help you through it. Like they can, they're willing to help you learn, if you will. And what we just, we really need is somebody that can help us with decision support on the fly. Like they can come into an unknown situation. The playbook's already broke. If the playbook was working, we wouldn't be here in the first place type thing. It was that phone call that ultimately I, I was like, hey, what? Sure, I can give it a shot. So went over to the, the new gig focused hundred percent on cyber crisis management and it kind of came in two forms. There was the immediate situation that we had to deal with. And then there was like the longer term technical project management, if you will, that had to handle the recommendations that were the output, like post event, once we got to a state of business as usual. If you we talked a little bit before this recording, but what are some of the things that you took on to become a leader or a manager of others or the situation, like you're a crisis manager, so you're the manager of the process, the leader of the process. How did you develop your career to get there? So I would say trying to model after people that are already doing those type of activities well, seek them out as a mentor and try and figure out how they were able to do their job in that capacity. 
and maybe identify some things that you can pick up as gold nuggets to add to your repertoire along the way, if that makes sense. And as you think about some of the critical skills required for crisis management, leadership in that space, what would you say they are? So absolute paramount, effective communication before anything else. That's the absolute, like if you can't get that, you're, you'll definitely have a broken operation. And when I say that, two different things like feedback loop, absolutely making sure there's no noise in your signal, so to say, et cetera. But I also mean like the tech versus non-tech. So you have to be able to talk to technical folks, be able to interpret, but there's going to be a lot of data points. And out of those data points, maybe only one out of 50 actually really matter for the decision at hand. And everybody is in the heat of the moment. Everybody, that's their first emergency or a lot of times. So they're going 75% of their mental capacity that they would typically have at that point. And they're literally going to be throwing as much information out as they can because they don't know which one is that gold nugget. So hard part is teasing out or parsing a little bit. But once you're able to identify, I guess, the critical data points, then I would say it's being able to translate those because it makes me think back to when Fukushima Daiichi happened in Japan. And we had this guy from Ditcher, God bless his heart. He was telling me about the plume models and they were like rainbow colored chart. And you're basically saying like stoplight, red is bad, green is good. And it's how bad is red. And the answer that I got back was like the average human being, and actually let me do it, try and do it justice. The average human being breathes 24 cubic liters of air per however many seconds. That was the answer that it started into. And I was like, oh my gosh, man, I've got to be able to tell somebody 15 minutes, hard work. An hour, hard work, try and put it into a parameter that I can just somebody that's not, I guess, a nuclear scientist type deal. And those type of the ability to translate. So effective communication, active listening skills, the ability to take it in and identify the gold nuggets, then the ability to summarize those in a non-technical fashion to an audience so that they can make the decision they need to make. And that's part of it too. Think about the downstream audience. There may be points that you think are cool that you want to stress, but at the end of the day, try to think about whatever the decision or need is that the audience that you're delivering have and focus the information that they need to hear. Give them that type deal because they're probably hectic as hell too, and they don't have enough time to cycle on extra information that's superfluous. So hopefully that's a good point. And for individuals that have never been in like crisis management, how do you adapt to that? constant rush of potential adrenaline that's happening and be able to work in that situation. Two things I would say become really important. I'm going to call it emotional awareness. A lot of people would say emotional intelligence in terms of like they're thinking about their interaction with others around them. I'd almost say it's more important to also be aware of your own emotional stability, because even if Everything is about to fly apart, i.e. like we're building the plane, it's on fire as we're going down and there's no parachutes on board type thing. We have to stay calm, cool, and collected because everyone else is, that's the glue that's holding it together. So there was a guy that I had the pleasure of working for, and that was one of his defining traits that I tried to model after or I really admired because no matter what happened, it didn't matter F5 tornado or it's just a breeze, anything in between could come in. And it was just the same, same thing, even keel. And the stability that brought to the wider organization where it was almost as soon as the person showed up, everything's going to be okay. It's all going to be all right. It'll be worked out. Cheers. Perfect. As you think about your journey, what are some of the top 
three recommended skills if you had, that you would give like bullet point right now? Okay. I would say, hey, give the most important outside of the effective communication piece. I'd say get really good at being wrong or get good at accepting that we don't get it right more often than we get it right. And the faster that you can take input from somebody else that, and adjust your view to improve the stance of the organization, that's a huge benefit for the team. So I'd say check the ego at the door is kind of part of that. But a bigger part of that is like almost change your perspective on it's not my baby and it's not an ugly baby. It's our baby and we're trying to make it the most beautiful baby in the world. So like the, the faster I can accept input and refactor the better output is and the less time we have to waste to get there. So I guess as a general thing, don't, it's okay to be wrong. It's not just okay to be wrong. It's great to be wrong. If you're smart enough to understand that you got a person, an employee standing in front of you, that's trying to tell you how to be right. You know what I'm saying? And I guess the ability to identify that and to adjust very quickly, that is a talent that will and it'll gain the respect of the team too. That will end up paving so many benefits like ancillary wise, because you're the underlings or the people, the stakeholders you interact with will realize that your view is moldable. And when they realize that it's man, the negotiations begin and it's amazing what can happen on both sides of the fence when we get to that point. So anyway, a lot have mentioned that the ability to influence as a leader is critical. What's your perspective on influence? Unless you're in a situation where you can dictate the outcome, which is extremely rare, at least for most of us, maybe there are a few that actually are living in the ivory tower on an everyday basis. Influence is, is beyond a necessary evil. You've got to be able to that. I'd say it's a means of survival. You've got to be able to put things in perspective where it's mutual gain or find other reasons that folks can be motivated to align, et cetera. But influence is paramount. The ability to the group align towards a clear vision, what that can yield in terms of productivity. At least I think of like extreme ownership, almost like tipping the hat to Jocko saying, if somebody already knows what the expectation is, then they're going you don't have to tell them to grab the mop when the floor is dirty. They're going to see the floor is dirty. They're going to see the mop and they're going to go grab it. They're going to fix the problem without anybody ever having to say that. And it's, if you have every member of the team operating like that, it's pretty spectacular what can be accomplished. Nice. You mentioned earlier that a lot of the growth in your career came from people that you knew. For future leaders, how would you describe networking to them and why it's such a critical skill? Rome isn't built in a day. And InfoSec is an incredibly small world. And I guess the path that your career takes, you don't go that alone. You go that with all of the people that you meet along the way. And I guess it, it isn't any, it doesn't do any good to get to the finish line if you waste all the relationships on the way there. And I actually, I guess this actually hits home for me more probably than a lot of others. But I'd say that due to the nature of a lot of my jobs, it puts us in higher stress positions where sometimes like in my younger career, I was probably shorter than I needed to be. And it took me a while to realize that you don't have to be a complete ass or a jerk to forgive my French or to still get the stuff done. And there's probably apologies I owe, like even to this day that if I could go back in time, I could handle it a different. And it's like, it takes you a little bit to realize that. And in the heat of the moment, sometimes you don't have the ability to explain why something has to happen, but it goes miles and miles to go back after the fact and unpack that with somebody that you care about. And then 
I guess something else that I've realized as time goes on is people take all different trajectories in life. And it's like somebody that maybe either you worked for at one point comes to you asking if they can fly under you or vice versa, where you had somebody working as a subordinate at one point and then fast forward a couple of years and they're like an executive VP somewhere and it's like, hey man, what's happening? So anyway, it's a small world. Definitely a small world. Also sounds like you, you want to ensure that you don't burn those bridges. You keep those good relationships and... If you give good karma, welcome, if I could summarize you. Cheers. So we're approaching the end. So I always like to ask, what advice would you give to future cybersecurity leaders? So and there's the way the technology is divergent and going in a thousand different directions. There's a million different certifications. There's all kinds of college courses. There's all kinds of this, just overwhelming information. Jump in and try something. I've been blessed by being surrounded with some brilliant minds in their respective spaces where I can just sit on their shoulder and I get to suck up like a Hoover vacuum, a ton of knowledge just because I'm in their presence. Like it, some of it rubs off. That would be something else I'd say. If you can seek out a mentor or find somebody, you know, that, that is more squared away than you are, they don't have to be the best in the industry, but find somebody that knows more than you and learn a little bit more than you know now and try to discern if the stuff checks out in terms of look out from other sources and try to do your due diligence. That's another part, but. In general, I would just say, try to get started. Start somewhere. Go chase anything that interests you. If offensive security is your jam and you want to learn how to break into something, try to break into something that you have at your house. Like without any, without spending any money, just go play with the toys that you already have. Or a Raspberry Pi isn't too much. I guess a Flipper Zero is probably pretty expensive at this point because of the, you know, how everybody demand is, but they're things available where you can start simple. And if, if you're on the other side of the fence, if you're trying to get into risk, understanding risk right now, not to say if you ask me today, what the two areas that I think are going to absolutely go out of control in the next couple of years, I think insider threat and GRC are about to be a significantly bigger conversation than they are now. The insider threat in terms of most situations start human born attack vector, whether it was knowing full like malicious or it was unknown, oblivious, like compromise type deal. Either way, it starts with either. So I guess insider threat, I think it's going to be a way more significant topic as everybody, not to go to marketing cliches, but everybody's moving towards the zero trust principles. And I think the insider threat is going to be a bigger component of that in the near future. I said GRC, not to throw the Hail Mary to the insurance industry right now, but there's a lot of news on both sides where some insurance providers are saying we will no longer insure X, Y, and Z related to cyber for, because the risk is unquantifiable is the way that they're saying it. Like they don't know how to stack that up. Risk quantification is going to be much more serious because it's not like, it, it's not a problem we can just look away from. We're going to have to figure it out. So the other side of that is I also saw an article from a different insurance company that offered a complete cyber coverage, like absolutely no holds barred. There's no limit to the coverage. Exactly. Your eyebrows went up, man. My eyebrows went up too, because I was like, okay, either that's one of two things. That's either an executive that doesn't understand cyber risk that just wants to issue. They're trying to make their bonus and that's the campaign that they're going to launch, but they're not going to be there to have to pick up the pieces when everybody starts putting in claims. Or they have already figured out how to quantify cyber risk really freaking well. And they have some kind of proprietary system where they come in and actually tell somebody at a high confidence level, you know, how squared away are they are. And even then it's just a snapshot. So do they continuously test? 
have so many questions. That could be a whole nother call, Chris. Yeah, absolutely right. Paul, thank you so much for joining us on another episode of Breaking Into Cybersecurity Leadership, where we help develop future cybersecurity leaders. Thank you all. It was a pleasure. In the rapidly evolving world of cybersecurity, your business needs a guide that's as dynamic as the threats you face. CPF Coaching LLC delivers unparalleled expertise to elevate your cybersecurity startup or business with a decade and a half of specialized experience. We're not just advisors, we're your strategic partners in growth and risk mitigation. Our tailored advisory services range from immediate hourly guidance to comprehensive three or six month packages, all supported with encrypted messaging for real-time assistance. For more information, cpfcoaching.com is your destination. Forge a path to success and distinction in the cybersecurity landscape. Connect with CPF Coaching LLC today and secure your business's future.